Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Gardner, and I talk about traumatic brain injury recovery. And today I'm pleased to be talking with neuropsychiatrist Mohammed Ahmed. Traumatic brain injury recovery. Welcome, Mohammed. Thank you, Dan. Tell me, Mohammed, what's new in the field of neuropsychiatry in the treatment of brain injury? One of the treatment modalities that I'm really excited about is the role neuromodulation can play in improving some of the post-concussive syndrome symptoms. Especially in the past year, there have been some interesting data that has come in. So we in our center have been treating this for the past two years. Can you tell me what neuromodulation is? Yes. Uh, so neuromodulation is a very exciting field where you improve the brain connectivity using several non-invasive techniques such as magnetic stimulation mm-hmm. or some form of electrical stimulation. People have known neuromodulation through the lens of ECT, which is this gold standard treatment for depression. But mm-hmm. uh, there's, there are other modalities as well. And one of them is called transcranial magnetic stimulation. Mm-hmm. How do all these modalities work? Each of them work in a different way. So, for example, the ECT worked in a different mechanism. It, you know, it causes electrical uh, changes in your brain, thereby improving depression. The one that is quite exciting and that we are doing right now for TBI is using a magnetic coil. Mm-hmm. So this does not involve the EC. It's not ECT, basically. That's what okay. it And it does not cause a seizure? It does not cause a seizure. And it has no pain, so it's pretty comfortable. So you use the word magnetic. How does that work then on the brain? It's a magnetic coil that we place over a certain specific area, you know, over your scalp, and stimulate the underlying brain by mm-hmm. using magnetic pulses. What does it do to the brain cells? Those magnetic pulses improve the neuronal connection in your brain. Mm. When the neurons talk to each other, they communicate via chemical hormones. Does it take the place of medication or how is it used? Works along with the medication. Mm -hmm. Think about it as a double lithium-ion battery. So you have the synthetic uh, serotonin and also the natural serotonin from Mm -hmm. the TMS. It's an adjunct then to medication? Okay, so it's not necessarily used in place of medication. In some instances, it can be used in place of medication as well. Uh, again, it depends on how bad your depression is. I see. Now, you talked about depression. Is TMS or other neuromodulation useful in other symptoms and problems resulting from traumatic brain injury? The science of TMS is really solid. We have understood this for a long time. And depression is the only FDA-approved condition. So is TMS useful for other things besides depression and traumatic brain injury? TMS has also been FDA approved for migraine headaches. It also works for autism, specifically so the social cognition aspect. There's a lot of research being done for looking into post-stroke symptoms, like somebody have motor uh, language deficits after stroke or mm-hmm. improving the physical outcomes after stroke in conjunction with physical therapy. So there's mm-hmm. lots of exciting research being done currently. Is that true? There's also research about TMS and traumatic brain injury for the language or other cognitive problems? Yes. At Kaizen, we started treating patients with traumatic brain injury with TMS. Kaizen is your clinic? Yes, Kaizen is my private clinic. I see. Okay, so you were saying at Kaizen, you've been treating brain injury patients with TMS. And what have been the target symptoms? Yes, so we have treated post-concussive depression, post-concussive anxiety, post-concussive cognitive deficits as well. 
I'll give you some examples of please. It, there's a lot of apathy in this in somebody who have a TBI, and there's also a lot of mixed mood symptoms as well at times. And plus, people some people can have very lot of frontal lobe syndrome, like impulsivity mm-hmm. and poor disinhibition and poor judgment and all that. There is also a kind of cognitive impairment because TBI can be very heterogeneous. Depends on where you have the head injury and which area of the brain is affected. So it can cause some uh, cognitive deficits. So like I will give you a case. I had a patient who was in South America and he was traveling through the jungle and in a big truck, there was uh, something on the road and the truck uh, bump and he went straight up and hit the roof of the truck. Oh. Yeah, really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, he went to the doctor there, they did a CT scan and there was negative, there was no problem, there was no blood. But um, he was a young guy and he was in early, uh, late 20s and very smart individual. He started to have difficulties with visuospatial skills, mm. organizing and perceptual deficits. And he went to a lot of doctors. He went to some doctors in Europe and got no answers. And he went to Mayo Clinic as well. And they diagnosed him with post-concussive perceptual disorder. He couldn't draw the clock. So we stimulated his brain targeting specific areas. So uh, now the, the symptom in this case was the visual perceptual deficit, not what? attention, memory, executive functioning. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. And okay. plus he also had a lot of depression and anxiety too. Oh, okay. So he had emotional symptoms in addition to the visual perceptual deficit. Correct. Okay. We looked at the whole overall report and we targeted specific areas and we treated him daily with TMS. How did you know which areas of the brain to target? Currently, the only guidance is the clinical evaluation. So based on the collected neuropsych report, the MRI, the clinical evaluation, we could localize that this was a, a visual spatial deficit. So it could be most likely the parietal lobe also involved along with the left frontal, left frontal DLPFC area. Now, when you say clinical evaluation, you're including imaging as well. To answer your question, right now, the only guidance is your clinical evaluation, your neuropsychological testing, and your MRI. You collect all these three data points, and then you make a clinical judgment mm-hmm. as to which area I need to stimulate. Okay. Now, imaging like a PET scan or fMRI, uh, the dynamic imaging, that does not add to the data? Before January 15, 2019, the only option was getting a regular MRI. Mm-hmm. I'm specifically stating that date because starting that date, we have moved on to doing what is called as network-based targeting. I can do a resting state functional MRI of mm-hmm. an individual brain who has brain injury, and I can understand the brain in terms of networks. See. TBI affects networks rather than just one area because we know brain is connected to networks and what affects up will affect downstream symptoms. We have a new technology. My colleague who is part of my clinic, he's currently at Boston at Harvard Med School, who actually has this technology where we can actually map out individual brain report. We get a regular MRI and then there's a special sequencing that we made to get this kind of data. So they go back, to the, they get a regular MRI, mm-hmm. and then they go back to the scanner after like the same day or the following day for another 45 minutes, in, and we get images in a resting state. They're not doing anything. We have a special protocol for that. All the images, once they are done, goes to Boston, 
and uh, my colleague who has the technology to process that. And then he gives me the coordinates where to stimulate. Like he looks at each circuitry and we actually sit down together and we combine the clinical information and look at circuitries. And then we come up with exact points where we need to stimulate for individual brain. And tell me what additional information does this procedure give you over and above a 3T, a 3Tesla or a 7Tesla MRI? It's a functional MRI. So it gives me more functional data than like a structural MRI that the regular MRI would do. And this functional MRI is important because it looks at the oxygen flow in your brain. Um, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the TBI essentially causes, uh, you know, uh, diffusion, the injury to the, those circuits in the brain. Mm-hmm. As a result, there's no proper flow of oxygen. Mm-hmm. By doing this scan, we understand where is the blockade in that circuit. You're able to more specifically target the areas of brain that, where the, that may be blocked. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, use of uh, magnetic stimulation to overcome that block directly. I see. And this is all new since January 15th of this year? Yeah, yeah. We've had uh, four patients so far just uh, in the past few days. Is anyone else doing this in the country? No, we're the first one. First one in the U.S.? Yes. How long have you been treating these people? We are going to start treating them based on the scans, specific scans. They'll have different protocols of treatment, and we'll have the data, hopefully, in a few months to share. Um, wow. So that's exciting. So this has just started, so I assume there's no even initial data to share at this point. So there is no clinical data, but there has been research done on it. Mm-hmm. So my colleague, he's actually uh, studied this in the military. He found that by doing this network-based targeting with TMS, they found improvement in the post-concussive syndrome. They did. Okay. Yes. Now, again, we're talking about not just the emotional results of a TBI, the depression, the anxiety, and so forth, or the PTSD component. We're talking about cognitive component like memory and attention exactly. and executive functioning. Exactly. One of the difficulties with targeting cognitive abilities is because of the access to that area We're using TMS. So TMS is very superficial, so it doesn't penetrate deep. Let's say somebody has a hippocampal loss or injury, mm-hmm. it doesn't reach that far. Right, and the hippocampus is the seat of the memory. Exactly. Correct? The short-term yeah. memory. Short-term yeah. memory. So so, it, so that was the limitation. But now what I can do is I can target a circuitry from the f- top of the brain, the frontal lobe, that goes directly to the hippocampus. So by just targeting... Close, closer to the surface. Closer to the surface. Uh-huh. And that goes to the hippocampus. So... Mm-hmm. I can target the hippocampus just by stimulating on the top. Recently, there has been a lot of uh, interesting studies understanding the connectivity of the brain and how the TMS could be targeted in specific uh, circuits, even with depression. I'll give you an example. One of the things what we, the old school was, when somebody had depression and they had to go through TMS, we would stimulate the left part of the frontal lobe, which is the, this area, right, as I'm pointing out, in the front. Mm-hmm. If somebody had more anxiety, we would stimulate the right side of the frontal lobe, which mm-hmm. is on the right side. So mm-hmm. here we would usually stimulate, here we would inhibit that area. We'd... Mm-hmm. So there has been a landmark. They divided depression into two types. One is people who have depression with a lot of sadness features, dysphoric mm-hmm. features. 
Mm-hmm. And they, then they divided another group of people with anxiety features and mm-hmm. you know, somatic depression. And they actually told that the circuits of the brain are different for these two individuals, the group of people. Okay. You don't have to go on the right side. They're, they're pretty much on the left side, but they're mm-hmm. just different areas. Different areas of the left side. Exactly. By just okay. moving the file a few centimeters here, I can actually target the group with anxiety depression. By just going up, I can target the group with dysphoric depression. There's been a dynamic change with the way the TMS has been offered so far. I think this is going to fundamentally change how we actually do TMS. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, getting back to the patient who you were treating, the person who bumped his head on the top of a truck and then has the visual perceptual deficit, how long have you been treating that person and what progress have you seen? Yeah, so we treated him for five weeks Mm -hmm. uh, with daily treatment, Monday through Friday for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. At the end of five weeks, his depression improved. Mm -hmm. His migraine headaches went away. I'm sorry, I forgot to tell about migraine headaches. Went away significantly, both in frequency and duration. I think in the midpoint, he almost did not have anything. And then there, he had a little bit of stress, and but the frequency was way less than what he was having. Mm-hmm. We made him draw the clock again. Mm-hmm. He drew the whole clock. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we okay. had already had the baseline clock measurement from the neuropsychological testing right. before the PMS, and we made him draw the clock. So he did, this time he didn't have any problems. Mm-hmm. So he was feeling better. He had f- uh, fewer headaches or less intense headaches, yeah. less frequent and less intense. He had less depression. He could draw the clock. Yeah. Uh, what else did he report? What other subjective symptoms did he did he talk about? One of the other important things that it's hard to measure at times is the improved energy level. The apathy gets a real better. The, the apathy as well. Yeah. Wow. The okay. you know the motivation gets better and. Uh, the ability to think gets better. People usually say, I can think more clearly now. Yeah. Uh, as you know, we see patients with TBI and a lot of times they say, I have this brain fog. Absolutely, yes. And I have this mental fatigue, I get tired easily. So. And you're talking about symptoms that traditionally have not responded to medications right. over the years, the cognitive symptoms, the apathy, the brain fog, and so on. So the question in my mind is, what degree of improvement are people going to find when they go through the network-based targeting? We can also call it as individualized TMS. It's as individualized as you can get because we have actually mm-hmm. mapped your own brain. I see. And then we are specifically targeting that. So that's a very good point. We hope that they have a remission of their post-concussive syndrome. Mm-hmm. So that's the goal, is complete remission. In these military studies, how much relief have these service people obtained? In the study that was done, they did it on almost 36 people. They found significant improvement in the clinical symptomatology as well. The science of using TMS for TBI has been there for a long time. What my colleague actually did in this paper was made it uh, um, used specific networks to target that. Instead of targeting the whole frontal lobe, mm-hmm. I can actually target specific networks that actually are going to the hippocampus area that controls your memory. You have a greater effect when you're targeting these specific networks. Correct. Are there side effects of TMS? No, I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) So it's not a matter of greater targeting would reduce the side effects because you don't have side effects. You don't have side effects. Yeah, exactly. I see. Yeah. But on the contrary, um, uh, coming back to your question, what would this do? 
I think two things. One is hopefully we'll have resolution uh, of the symptoms. Uh, I think more particularly the study that was done has shown that the depression got significantly better. The second thing I, I believe is this, is that TMS actually causes neuroplastic changes. It improves the neuronal connectivity. When you understand which circuit and which area in the brain is actually impaired, and when you target that specific area, mm-hmm. you're actually not putting a band-aid, but you're actually fixing that, that area. If your road is like Highway 5 is kind of like there's like a crack on the road, mm-hmm. the TMS is fixing that crack. I see. So you don't have to take a detour. Yeah, exactly. You don't have mm-hmm. to take a detour. But I think that's what it is. Otherwise, before this, before when you do the regular TMS, I think you know what you, you probably wouldn't have targeted, have targeted more specifically. Well, again, it sounds extremely promising, and I'm going to be eagerly awaiting further results because in my experience, as I'm sure in yours, even when we can address the depression and anxiety to a significant degree, there are still residual cognitive deficits, the memory problems, the attention, the executive functioning, the reduced cognitive reserves, the great amount of fatigue, and Sometimes those can be lifelong impairments. Absolutely. The other important question to ask is who gets TMS at what age and what are the other risk factors they have? For example, um, as you know, TBI is a risk factor for neurodegenerative disorders mm-hmm. for such as Alzheimer's or CTE within the population of you know football players. Typical case that we see in at Kaizen is 50-year-old male who comes with progressive memory decline um, has impairment based on the cognitive testing and he tells me that he's had a history of tbi and he's 50 years old and he tells me that uh, his father had alzheimer's and he got 23 and me testing done and he says i have e4 positive oh yeah now that changes a lot because um, now you're not only trying to improve the tbi symptoms but you're also trying to mitigate the risk of future neurodegeneration Mm-hmm. So the E4, would you explain what that is? So E4 is an allele that puts one at risk for developing Alzheimer's mm-hmm. disease. It's a risk gene. So if you, you get one copy from your mom and one copy from your dad. Mm-hmm. If you have one copy of that E4 gene, it's called apolipoprotein E4. Mm-hmm. Uh, your risk is about threefold high than average population to develop Alzheimer's. If you have two copies of that, then your risk is, the data says, about seven to eight-fold. I see. So are you saying that if you do have that allele, the the APOE, then you're hoping that the TMS could actually prevent the neurodegeneration? Exactly. Because TMS is also used in neurodegeneration. Mm -hmm. It has been used in Alzheimer's disease. I guess we need to stay tuned. I would like to talk to you in the future to see how things are coming along. We'd love to share the data with you and maybe come back again and talk to you and have uh, some data about how using an individualized network-based targeting can improve some of the post-concussive syndrome symptoms. Not only improve that, but also decrease the risk of future neurodegeneration with Alzheimer's or CTE in the future. Thank you, Mohammed, for speaking with me. Thank you, Dan. It's always a pleasure. Please like, subscribe, and comment 